So welcome to the eighth, I think the eighth episode of Man Buns and Jesus. Well, the seventh episode of Man Buns and Jesus, the eighth episode of this podcast. We may or may not have made a mistake in the first episode regarding our name. So if you have if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back, listen to episodes one and two. And then you'll understand what I'm talking about. But I am Josh Laborious. I am a uh, pastor here in Eastvale, California. Well, over in Eastvale, California. I'm in my home and I live in Corona, which is next to Eastvale. But I'm a pastor of Edgewater Lutheran Church. And that over there, whatever direction Zoom is going to record uh, me in, is my co-host, the mighty bearded Ben Olschlager. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing well, Josh. Uh... It's the week before Christmas, which means uh, all through the the uh, church, uh, not a pastor is sleeping, uh, no matter how much it hurts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yep. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's good to see you, Josh. Uh, this week, we, we wanted to have a little bit of fun because... Um, if we do what we want well there's that and uh if if you haven't talked to your pastor at any time recently and asked them how they're doing chances are they're one of three things tired stressed or tired and stressed um and uh we wanted to do something fun with the the podcast this week um this will be coming out what the tuesday before christmas yes uh so uh we're going to keep it Christmas themed, but we're going to add some levity here. Uh, our, our topic today is um, we are going to first declare our favorite Christmas movie, defend that selection, and then finally, uh, we have to turn it into a sermon illustration. Um, no matter how good or bad that sermon illustration may be. Um, did you ever play, and, uh, I guess this is a game, this is a stupid game at seminary where like someone just random, like you, you throw out a random story or topic or whatever, and someone has to like come up for a way to build a sermon around it. Uh, I don't remember ever playing that with people, <laughs> with people. but I've, what did you play with puppets? No, with I, vegetables? I kind of that with vegetables. No, I've played that with myself. Um, I, there were several times over Vicarage where I was challenged to uh, turn stupid things into sermon illustrations. Um, my very first sermon over Vicarage, I was told, doesn't matter what text you use, but I need you to preach on Star Wars. Um, Easy. Yeah. No, Easy. Yeah. There's all sorts of great stuff there. So I think I paralleled Darth Vader and Moses. Um, Cause you know, like you do. Um, <laughs> but so we're both, uh, we're was, well suited for this, this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I also had to work in a flat earth joke at some point. And oh, good. Uh, yep. Uh, I did a, yeah. uh, I meet with some members from my congregation once a month to look at the potential sermon texts for the next month and kind of get mm-hmm. their input. What are they curious about? What are the questions? And uh, I'm just kind of talking through it in the month of January, at least two of the weeks, there is a high probability. I'm going to be making a family guy reference 
in the middle of the sermon at length. So, okay. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if I've done Family Guy yet. It applies yeah. to almost everything. It's, it's like The Simpsons, yeah. except yeah, not qu- not quite as expansive. But before we Simpsons, get to that, remember The Simpsons did it first. Before we get to that. I have a series of crucial questions for you, Ben. Oh boy. Um, so I had my I, I had my young adult small group last night, and the the topic of the podcast came up. And because they've kind of like we've been doing the small group for a while, um, but we like we went on a break for a while. Someone made like the joke comment, whatever. They're like, so what's it even like? What's the name now? What is it? What it, what have we sat on? Um, and I said, man, buns and Jesus. And, uh, one of them made like the comment, like, can you not get your haircut then from now? So like, we were kind of going back and forth on it, but I came to the realization that like, we're calling it man, buns and Jesus, but you have been lacking a man bun for the past time. And, and I said that out loud at the, the hair is still there. It's there. Well, I, I said yeah. this at the group. I said, well, he's been without a man bun. And they were like, oh, that's so ridiculous. And I said, oh, he's been wearing a hat because he like his hair isn't grown. Like he he shaved part of it. And now it's like scruffy. And he's trying to like hide that from his wife. And their follow up question is like, does he wear a hat all the time? Does he wear a hat to bed? Like, how is this actually <laughs> effective at hiding your scruffiness from your wife? So they were very curious about that. And I promised I would ask you on the podcast about it. But, you know, that's a legitimate question. And uh, the, <laughs> the honest answer to that is I'm not so much hiding it from my wife. Well, I am hiding it from my wife in, the, in, in some regard. Um, but more or less, it's just trying to not embarrass her with how silly my hair looks. And so... I use the hat as a way to hide, like, I have a lot of hair. So uh, if I don't wear a hat, the sides of my hair just kind of floof out and it kind of looks like I have wings on the top of my head because it's at like that awkward length where I can't quite put everything in a bun. Oh, it's the worst length. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can put the the top in a bun, but I can't put anything from the sides in it yet. so I either have to wear a hat uh, to keep everything kind of matted down so I don't have this like set of wings on the side uh, or I can gel it. Uh, so for like Sundays and, and midweek services and Bible studies and stuff, I will gel my hair down, but I'm lazy. So I just wear a hat anytime that's not Sunday or Wednesday. I can respect that. Yeah. So for it my is- awkward phase, I ended up, uh, I tended to use hairspray because mm. I was lazy and like putting the gel in that just took too much work. So I showered, I styled it, I sprayed it and we were done. Now I'm never cutting it short again, short <laughs> enough that I can't pull it back. That is. Yeah. And I told them last night, if it ever does get cut that short, it's just, it, I have short hair for the rest of my life. I'm not willing to do it again. That's so, fair. All right. So that's, that's our tangent. Uh, we can now step into the actual topic. All right. Uh, so, Josh, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Guys, 
I would say this is a hot take, but I don't think it is. I think it is, it's growing in popularity. It's sweeping the nation. Uh, the popularity of Die Hard, the first one, the original Die Hard, as the best Christmas movie of all time. And to defend, well, I think first, I do have to defend Die Hard as a Christmas movie, right? Um, first of all, Less than you would have had to do five years ago. That's yes. true. I told Trent, sweeping the nation. It's 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 happening. But uh, first of all, Bruce Willis has a full head of hair. And that's just a Christmas gift to all of us. So <laughs> <laughs> that's very Christmas. Not kidding you. The first time I sat down with my dad and watched this movie, that was my first reaction. I looked over and I said, wait a second. Bruce Willis has hair? Um, so obviously it does take place at Christmas. And the whole movie, really, it centers around Bruce Willis playing the role of Santa in a certain light, uh, bringing gifts to his wife and and uh, having to overcome the adversity of, well, the, uh, the terrorists <laughs> to get these gifts to his wife. And if you're saying, well, Christmas isn't about Santa and gifts, it's about Jesus. And you cannot tell me that Die Hard is not a Christ figure film. Because it is. He, he is bringing salvation to the people of the tower, except for the guy who did a bunch of cocaine. He got shot. Um, so there's that. <laughs> but uh, so Die Hard undoubtedly, I mean, there are Christmas trees everywhere. There's snow. It's, it's Christmas through and through. We can, we can dismiss that question right away. And uh, why it's my favorite is because at its core, it's an action movie. And that's really all I all my that's my standard for films um my it has to be an action it something has to blow up uh some someone has to get shot and the plot can't be so bad that it distracts me from the explosions and the firearms that is my standard for movies and most of the time that makes it very difficult for me to like differentiate between films but when it comes to Christmas movies, that basically leaves me Die Hard and, uh, and Rambo. And I like Die Hard better. For no particular good reason. So there's, there's my defense of my favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard. What about you, Ben? What, did, what have you decided is your favorite Christmas movie? So I was really tempted to go with Shrek the Halls here. Uh, but decided against it because I realized uh, I've never actually made it through the entirety of Shrek the Halls because it is an objectively terrible movie. Um, well, you just lost us our DreamWorks sponsorship. They're yeah. never going to run ads on Man Buns and Jesus now. And that was the, that's, that's the only thing that would have stopped them. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um <laughs> Uh, in reality, I did. I had a few selections here, but I think my favorite Christmas movie of all time has to be "It's a Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown." And there, there are a plethora, plethora of reasons for so doing. Uh, I think everything from the fact that all the adults in the uh, entire special are uh, voiced by uh, trombones. Uh, I think that has to be a massive plus. Uh, I think the fact that there is a, a moment in time in which 
an ice skating dog falls into a lake. Uh, that's a, a pretty special moment. Um, Sounds kind of cruel that, to the dog, if you ask me. You know, that's fair. That's fair. The, there's also uh, Charlie Brown just in his usual complete and utter uh, uh, lack of any sort of ability or um, charisma of any kind and uh, essentially giving up on all of his hopes and dreams of actually putting together a decent Christmas play uh, only to be saved by a child who uh, is not yet enough confident to uh, not hold on to his blanket or stop sucking his thumb. So um, in, in a lot of ways, there are some great Christ figures in this, uh, in this film uh, that uh, come in unusual shapes and sizes, uh, not to mention a human whose very existence is a cloud of dust. Uh, that, that's my... Are you going with the, you know, God leads his people via a cloud of dust in the wilderness? Or, like, are you assuming no, Bethlehem was a dirty place? Or where are you going with that one? I mean, what I remember, Pigpen was kind of a jerk in that movie. Which is funny to me that this kid who's an absolute filth pile is still more popular and charismatic than Charlie Brown. Um, and I think... More than anything, uh, Charlie kind of serves as this like sacrificial character in the entire uh, the entire special. Like he is continually smitten, beaten, and afflicted. <laughs> um, <laughs> for anyone who still loves the hymnal, these are just killer. For anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, I apologize. <laughs> um, Why is he using such archaic language? <laughs> Um, but and I think we've also reached a point in society where archaic is an archaic word to use. Yeah. To describe other archaic words. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, he's just absolutely beaten up this entire, entire movie. Um, and gets to the end. He picks up this woefully pitiful Christmas tree and everybody just absolutely gives up on him. Um, except for you, realize, Ben. You didn't give up ex- on Charlie Absolutely, Brown. except for me, because I am Team Charlie all the way. Um, except I have more hair. Um, I, this is a random aside here, but I sincerely wonder at what age Charlie Brown goes completely bald. Like, (laughs) it has like six hairs at seven years old. Well, maybe. Well, first of all, it could just be a really stupid style choice. He could have decided to shave all of his. What point in human history was a comb over fashionable? Just telling you. Also, maybe instead of he's losing hair, maybe he's a really late bloomer and that's all the hair he's grown thus far. I don't buy it. It's, I did, yeah, well, 
I mean, it is your favorite Christmas movie. I'll I'll leave you to be the expert, I suppose. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. I just I appreciate the uh, the heck out of it because we have this sacrificial character who gives everything he's got to put this play on, and then uh, everybody somehow just abandons him for it, um, only to realize, oh yeah, he he was right this whole time. He was right this whole time. And there is a lot more to Christmas than all the glitz and glamour and aluminum Christmas trees and um, all the other crazy things that the the other people in the performance wanted. If I had a nickel for every time I'd had a conversation that involved aluminum Christmas trees, I'd have two nickels. Which isn't a lot of money, but it's kind of weird that it's happened twice recently. <laughs> so uh, those are our favorite Christmas movies. And what I would encourage you to do is, if you're listening to this, go ahead and let us know what your favorite Christmas movie is. Um, for an unknown purpose, we, we might give you a shout out if it's weird enough in the next episode. Or not. We'll see. Um, but the next aspect of the challenge was to was to make it preach, right? Yep. And uh, I think we it doesn't probably... have to be the whole movie. It, it can be any specific scene from the movie, but you have to preach something from the movie. Well, see, that's exactly what I bet we could go back and forth for a little bit here because you could preach different sermons connected to different um, parts of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just low-hanging fruit, really easy example with Die Hard, like he, he's been separated from his wife and he's, he's putting out the effort to go and to try and reconcile that relationship. And, uh, like there's a, there, you can connect it with the Sermon on the Mount and, or Paul's conversations about how, um, how spouses are supposed to interact and, and, and treat one another and, and defend marriage. Um, so that would preach like, yeah, get that giant teddy bear that probably cost a hundred dollars on Amazon fly across it, which side note, now that I live on the West coast, I, I know how much it costs to fly East to West coast and vice versa, especially on Christmas. John McClane was a hero just for that. <laughs> Um, so that I, I guess would be one, but that's not a very Christmassy message. Um, so I think the Christmas message I would go to, huh? Maybe I'd take the unlikely hero, uh, uh, stance on it and focus on, um, shoot, what's his name? The, the cop who's there the whole time and actually gets what's going on, but, um, "Quote unquote," more important people keep keep trying to steal the show or whatever. Um, yeah, maybe that's what I would preach on. That's a hard one. I normally don't start with uh with like a story or something that I want to work into a sermon. I I start with the text and then I pull in the weird random stories because that's how my twisted mind works. So what about you? What are some preaching ideas you have for, for a Charlie Brown Christmas? 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna start out with an absolutely off the wall one here. Uh, within the 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 uh, it's a Merry Christmas Charlie Brown or Charlie Brown Christmas, depending on what title you know it as. Uh, I think I've had it wrong for most of my life, but that's okay. Um, there's like a vignette with uh, Lucy and Schroeder trying to skate together, and Schroeder's like playing hockey. And uh, Lucy's trying to convince him to be her uh, figure skating partner. And uh, the entire time uh, I'm watching this scene, uh, one of the most recent times I'm watching the movie, I'm thinking about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. Um, And and, uh, for some reason, my mind wanted to parallel Lucy with the the Whore of Babylon. Um, (laughs) <laughs> just just desperately throwing herself at schroeder um, no matter if he's playing hockey or piano or whatever he's doing she's just absolutely throwing herself at this guy that wants nothing to do with her um and uh i you know i don't know if it's uh lucy trying to uh tempt a a faithful schroeder or if it's uh a lost and wandering lucy is throwing herself at a an evil schroeder but um you know there's definitely an image there uh that can be preached and if you're listening to this and taking ben seriously you're (laughs) never gonna see charlie brown again oh look the whore of Babylon just stole, stole Charlie Brown's football. What a terrible thing that just happened right there. Oh, Absolutely. man. That, uh, that gave me another idea from Die Hard, actually, for a series. Oh okay. Do, which gives me an idea for another series. So you could do a series um, focusing on the villains of Die Hard. So you focus on on Gruber, right, as kind of like this mastermind and very intentionally doing harm, um, kind of this this agent of organized evil. And you and you would look at like, what are what are those influences in our lives that are these these or like things that are intentionally trying to pull you away from the faith, trying to pull you into temptation Um and then you have his uh, his brother shoot or something. The bl- the blonde guy with the long hair that has aggression issues, and you do you you kind of portray him as like this. He's an active evil, but he's not. He's just he wants to see the world burn, right? He's mm-hmm. just violent and kind of. And you can kind of point that to the people in our lives who are who are doing harm, but really it's it's not out of malice so much as it is just like they have psychological issues that they need to deal with um, and how we're called to biblically handle them. And spoiler, it probably wouldn't be how uh, John McClane handled him, which was murder. So, um, and then you could even go, you could step into the villains outside the building, right? The, the FBI agent whose his villainy is in his sheer incompetence and pride. Um, the, the guy who's like the cocaine addict that I mentioned earlier um, that he, 
he's like willing to sell out everybody for this uh, for this organization and kind of talk about those people in 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 the church that they appear to like like they say the right things and maybe they look the right way but really they're they're not looking out for um, for the well-being of the faithful. So like you could do a series on these different villains in the movie Die Hard. Sermons on all of them. That'd preach. I dig. I dig. That might be a uh, that might be a summer series coming up. Edgewater, if you're if you're from Edgewater and you listen to this and you think that's a good idea, I need you to let me know. I need permission to do that. Maybe. Did that give you enough time to think of any other sermon ideas or do you just have the one? You know, I've got a few more. Like, uh, the recently for the Advent services this year, I've been doing a, a sermon series on the, the ways that, that John appears in Luke's gospel. Uh, John the Baptist appears in Luke's gospel um, and his role as, as uh, someone who confesses Christ because he has a recognition of who he is. He's someone who uh, greets him with joy and anticipation and is one who uh, physically helps prepare the way for Christ uh, to come. Um, And you could almost perfectly uh, line those pieces up with different things that Linus, this blanket-carrying thumb-sucking child does for Charlie Brown uh, the way he excitedly greets him when no one else thinks that Charlie Brown is worth an ounce of attention the way that he uh, sticks with him when the Christmas play begins falling apart the way he finally uh, steps forward and bang on recites uh, Luke 2 uh, as, as a, a this firm declaration of this is what Christmas is about. Prepare yourself for Christmas because gosh darn it, it's we've had too much of this commercialization crap and we're, we're done with this. This is Christmas. This infant child come to save the world. I'm just thinking about how funny it is that like it, it goes on that thing kind of against the commercialization of Christmas and I'm I'm pretty sure one of the most expensive Christmas trees you can buy for the size is a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. It's <laughs> <laughs> so true. Oh. Just the, the way that the Charlie Brown Christmas special has been itself commercialized around Christmas. Yeah. Uh, I made a post not two, three weeks ago declaring the Charlie Brown uh, Christmas special soundtrack to be the ideal Christmas tree decorating music. Um, If that doesn't scream like commercialization of Christmas, I don't know what does. I'm trying to... Kind of a tangent, but the the music that we listen to decorating our Christmas tree, I'm a big fan of alternative music. So we listen to Alternative Christmas with highlights of the playlist, including Don't Shoot Me Santa, 
you will <laughs> shoot your eye out. That's um, a good one. I know that so one. That one's by, uh, All I want for Christmas is a work email. The you'll you'll shoot your eye out. It's Y U L E, right? And that's yes, by yes. Paul Upway. Correct. Yeah. That's and everyone, I mean, when you think of Christmas that. music, Fall Out Boy is the first band that comes to mind, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, or, Krampus, uh, of course. Have you heard the Reliant K version of 12 Days of Christmas? I think so. No, I know add, so. They add the chorus, uh, what's a partridge, what's a pear tree? I don't know, yes. so please don't ask me. Either way, I can tell they're a terrible gift to get. And then they just continue, continue with the song. We have, uh, we also have Fountains of Wayne, famous for the song "Stacy's Mom," which is yep, my qualification absolutely. for radio stations. As soon as I hear Stacy's Mom played on the radio, that's a radio station that gets a preset in my car. They have, uh, <laughs> I want an alien for Christmas. Yep. Yep. So uh, that's the music I listen to decorating I'm for Christmas. Sure I'm pretty sure that one's a spoof of, um, oh, what's it called? I want an elephant for Christmas. I thought it was I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Oh, you're right. That's absolutely what it is. That's absolutely what it is. Yep. See, I, rem- and- I knew it was a, a spoof of a terror, like a, another like funny kind of terrible old school song, but it, it full offense to anyone who likes I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. <laughs> It's right up there with the baby shark song. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the neighborhood. Um, oh, man. So another sermon from Die Hard, getting back to yeah. our initial point. <laughs> um, no. No? No, you can keep going. You don't want to go back to the initial point? Um, I, you could probably, I, you probably do something with the different, like, uh, sufferings of john mcclain and like the different things that christians go through because spoiler alert um jesus promises several times as do the epistles that uh being a christian is not good is going to make your life more difficult um not easier so if anyone tells you believe in jesus in your life will just be like rainbows and and ice cream they're they're not they're off base somewhere um but like you could talk about kind of the you know when he gets glass in his feet and you could connect that to um kind of on our walk the things we stumble across in our walk that make it a lot more difficult uh but we we kind of have to put up with it anyway you could talk about um the the false hope we have in different things like John McClain did in the helicopter and he looks at the helicopter and, and that doesn't work out how, how everyone had hoped. Um, and you can kind of connect that to the different things in, uh, in a Christian's life that we're tempted to put false hope in, and then it just doesn't work out. Um, you could look at kind of the, the suffering that he's going through with his wife. You like, there are a whole, I think you could go through kind of all of the different things he suffers with and you could connect into different things that faithful Christians kind of have to deal with as faithful Christians and make that connection. 
man, Die Hard's a great movie. Think about these. This is like six months worth of sermons. There you go. There you go. Uh, I've only got 25 minutes worth of runtime to work with. You've got two hours. That's true. <laughs> you didn't pick a super st- substantive movie. No, I think I think I've got one more good one that I wanna that I wanna do, and it is it is that stupid little tree. Um, the uh, in in the special as Charlie wanders off after flipping out on his cast for completely missing the point of Christmas. Um, he wanders off and he buys that that little Christmas tree, and and wanders home to find uh, Snoopy and his Vegas esque neon doghouse have won the Christmas light decorating competition in town. Um, which, how bad does the rest of town have to be if a dog won a Christmas light competition? Like, I mean, maybe the dog, like maybe the the judges really have a thing for dogs. I don't know. Our apologies for the weird jump in audio here. Uh, I think my internet dropped for a second, but. Um, it's it is ridiculous that Snoopy won the Christmas light decorating competition as a dog. You'd hope that there's a lack of bias from the the judges, and hope that they didn't just pick uh, a uh, dog's entry because it is a dog's entry. That to me that feels like picking a three year old's entry in an art prize with a multi million dollar you know grand prize because. It was done by a three-year-old. No, pick the. I wasn't even thinking about that. I mean, there is the reality that it's really impressive that uh, that something without opposable thumbs set up that whole thing. But I was going more for the dogs are cute and and you get bonus points for being a cute dog. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Either way, it shouldn't happen. Um, <clears throat> but then uh, Charlie takes one one ornament off of uh, Snoopy's doghouse, puts it on this tree, and the tree collapses like it's in pain. <laughs> and and at that point, Charlie, whose hopes are already slightly crushed by the fact that his Christmas performance has fallen apart, uh, has now been completely crushed by the fact that he has killed this living thing, this Christmas tree. Um, and his Christmas is effectively ruined. Um only for the the people who have uh, wandered in darkness and to whom Linus has shown the great light to uh, <laughs> wander out of their stupor, uh, their commercialized stupor, and uh, resurrect this poor little Christmas tree before singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing, uh, Glory to the Newborn King. Uh, and, and everybody circles back to this beautiful, pure recognition of uh, Christ having come as the savior of the world, the king of kings, the Messiah. That'd breach.
All right. So I think we've uh, we firmly established that both of us are, uh, how shall we say, creative enough <laughs> to make sermons out of these things. Um, there are other ways to describe it, but I'm not going to I'm not going to do that on a recorded line. Um, but I think uh, maybe we should spend some time also in. Uh, maybe our least favorite Christmas movie, like, are there any Christmas movies that grind your gears? Oh, <laughs> is that a yes? Um, is that a hard yes? There, there are some that every year when I see them, I turn them off. Um, now I got to think. What, what is my least favorite Christmas movie? Man, that's a good question, Josh. See, we, we kind of preempted the, the favorite Christmas movie part. We did not preempt the least favorite Christmas movie part. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, I think mine, honestly, is the generic Hallmark Christmas movie. And I'm fairly confident my mother doesn't listen to these. But if she does, she might be pretty sad about that. because She loves those Hallmark Christmas movies. But, like, they're so... They're all the same. There, do, there are dozens, maybe hundreds of them, and they're all the same. Guy or girl goes from big city to little city or from little city to big city. Doesn't fit in. Meet someone who's the opposite. They fall in love. Christmas is saved. Everybody's family's happy about the situation. And it snows magically somewhere. Like, I just described you the plot of probably 90% of those Hallmark movies. And it's just, first of all, I don't know what it has to do with Christmas. It's they're all just bad rom-coms and uh, I don't, they feel like a waste of time and resources and effort and yikes. I just, I, I can't roll my eyes hard enough at at, insert title here generic hallmark christmas movie and i know that's a hot take because i know a lot of people love those movies but i just i do not get it for the life of me do not get it <sighs> what do you think ben are you a big hallmark christmas guy did i just offend you deeply no no you i was tempted to say more or less the same thing um and it's a good thing my grandma doesn't listen to these either um in case anyone gets inspired sorry mom and sorry ben's grandma yeah um i think my answer has to be the uh jim carrey remake of how the grinch stole christmas um the first one is nigh on perfect why mess with that and create this abomination? Um, like that movie was uglier than the costume he had to wear. Yeah, yeah. Um, genuinely don't know whose set design and uh, production budget was lower 
that movie or the uh, attempt at making an Aragon movie. Speaking of messing with great things, oh, that movie was the worst ever. So I would say that it narrowly beats out the Grinch. So, um, (laughs) that's the nerve there, Ben. I didn't think we were going to have that conversation today. Um, you're welcome. Um, we can, we can go through a counseling session if you need some time to process this. Cause, uh, uh, I remember being so excited for that movie. And then that was the first time. First time in my childhood, I walked out of a movie theater utterly disappointed. I've left terrified. I've left like, you know, maybe a little upset, but you just utterly disappointed. I left thoroughly upset because, well, in my whole, th- first of all, they botched the story completely. But they also, in the process of botching the story, they killed all hope for the rest of the saga. Because they, like, casually discarded the main villains of the second and third book. So, uh... Yep. But that's, that's, like, that's, uh, that's Seventh Circle of Hell. And, uh, the Grinch, we'll call it, like, five and a half or something. Is that fair? Is that, appro- is that appropriately aggressive towards both of those movies? Give me one sec. Ben's doing research, guys. That's something we don't do on this show. <laughs> You're right. I am doing research. What are, what are you looking up? I'm so curious. This is a first. This is a first for for all of us. That's why we don't know how to fill the space. We We need like a a, a elevator music jingle of like pardon our technical difficulties. So there are two songs on the soundtrack that are irredeemable. One there is a uh, Busta Rhymes song <laughs> featuring Jim Carrey himself guest versing. Um, I don't think I need to add anything to that. Um, and then on top of that, um, there's a Smash Mouth song that's not All Star, so <laughs> like <sighs> yeah, I yeah, and if you're listening to this and you're like, "Hey, I love that version of the Grinch," don't tell us. 
It's not, <laughs> you're not, I guarantee you're, you're not changing my mind. You're probably yeah. not going to change Ben's mind. All you're uh, really going to do is make us shake our head and maybe think a little less of you. At very least, I will be highly skeptical about any future movie recommendations. Is what it is. Unless you also attempt to recommend the Expendables at the same time. Then we, we might, there might be some hope for you. Yeah. Some hope. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, do we have take, do we have takeaways <laughs> for today? Uh, I think my takeaway is go watch Die Hard. Oh, that's a, that's a good one. I think we should take away, go watch if, both if of you. You are age appropriate. Yes. Yes. He does. He does kill all the terrorists. So, um, I thought you were going to go with the lesson of don't ever watch The Grinch. But uh, that can no, be I think What I want you, if you are, if you have made it through this whole podcast, first of all, hats off to you. That's some dedication. Um, I hope your takeaway is that pastors can be pretty ridiculous and hopefully that's at least moderately entertaining um for you so with that uh prayers prayer ideas from this nothing really related um to the topic but now's a good time pray for those who struggle around the holidays um Mm -hmm. maybe you know this was very lighthearted. this was very joyful i enjoyed this a lot but uh the holidays can be a really tough time for a lot of people. So pray for them, pray for the people who are in positions to support them. Um, and a lot of people travel this time of year. So pray for travels, pray for a lack of traffic, um, pray that accidents are kept to a minimum and, uh, and all that. Those are our prayer ideas for you. So unless you got anything else, Ben. Uh, no, I think those are kind of the big ones. Uh, and, uh, if you feel compelled to say Jesus is the reason for the season, uh, at least do it in a nice way. <laughs> All right. With that stellar piece of advice, brothers and sisters, go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Coming.